Welcome to the Dare to Care podcast, brought to you by HR Culture. And now here's your host, Susan Judd. Welcome everyone, I'm Susan Judd and this is the Dare to Care podcast. Today I'm really excited to announce that I have here as my guest a gentleman by the name of Saxon Phipps. Before inviting Saxon into the studio, I wanted to do a bit of a formal introduction for everyone. Saxon Phipps I consider as a thought leader in his field, using digital platforms to connect and engage with school leaders. Saxon is the founder and director of Year 13. Year 13 is Australia's largest digital platform for high school leaders. In 2019 alone, they connected with 1.5 million Aussie youth. Saxon is a passionate leader of Year 13 with determination, a great work ethic and an unwavering commitment to empowering the audience of Year 13. He's a creative thinker and has a natural ability to assess what the Year 13 audience desires through the use of data and insights. Saxon, with his team at Year 13, have been able to apply this process to develop several youth engagement strategies for organisations that include the Department of Employment, Westpac and the Department of Education and Training. Saxon regularly speaks at events about youth issues such as the Australian Financial Review's Higher Education Summit, Australian Davos Connections Future of Education Summits and is a regular speaker on the Today Show, 2GB and other forms of media, including now our Dare to Care podcast. I'm really looking forward to having Saxon's views, hearing Saxon's views on our five questions, given his connection to our school leavers through Year 13. Today, we're going to be asking Saxon to provide us with his insights into our five questions. If this is your first Dare to Care podcast episode, each episode I ask my guests the same five questions. Those questions include, what are the challenges that you believe our youth, our Generation Zs, also called post-millennials, face in the workplace? What are the best things that you believe they bring to the workplace? What are current employer expectations of Generation Z and are they being met and are they reasonable? What are the critical skills our youth will require for the future of work from your perspective? And finally, what is your best advice for young people leaving school and entering the workplace? So I can't wait to hear Saxon's perspective on these questions, given um, his thought leadership in the area of school leaders and his broad connection with Aussie youth through the work of Year 13. I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to Saxon Phipps for joining us today. Hi, Saxon, and welcome to the show. Hey, Susan, how are we? I'm pretty good this afternoon and I am really looking forward to getting your insights on our answers to, uh, on your answers to our five questions. So Saxon, before getting into asking you our five questions, um, can I please start by asking you to tell us just a little bit about yourself, how Year 13 came about and a bit of background about the work Year 13 is doing with um, Aussie, Aussie school leaders. Yeah, cool. Um, as the name suggests, my name's Saxon Phipps and I'm, I'm the founder and managing director of Year 13. I guess uh, it's, it's an interesting story. I, um, I had a, when I came out of the schooling system, I, I really struggled um, to understand who I was and, and what I was going to be. You know, I think we, we have this historical question of, you know, what's your dream job? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? You know, what are you wanting to do? And, 
Um, I found that really confronting and really difficult to answer. Um, you know, this is 12 odd years ago now. Um, and I, I found it, it was a really perplexing question and something to be able to have to do. And as someone who really struggled throughout school, um, I felt like the, you know, quite in- inadequate and, and felt like the village idiot, to be really honest with you. I had a, a lot of friends around me who knew exactly what mark they needed to get to go to what university to then do be at what company to do what by when and um i think i guess that really perpetuated this this self self doubt that I, I had within myself and so i came out of school um just open to any experience and um i threw myself into every odd job humanly possible so i worked as a Ricky's labourer, I was a steel fixer, I worked in cafes and bars, um, you kind of name it, I, I would say yes to doing it. And you know, at the time, I didn't realise what I was doing was building, you know, a whole lot of different skills and, and a lot of networks. But it was, you know, still to this day, some of the most character building um, experiences and work that I was doing. And after about 12 months, I, um, I took myself off. I'd never travelled before. Um, I come from a, from a very middle class family in which... I've got five, uh, there's five kids. And so, um, you know, mum and dad weren't able to really um, ever extend anything outside of, you know, paying for school to be able to send us away on travel. So I'd never travelled before and um, I ended up saving money from all my work to then go off and and take a gap year, or not a gap year, but go backpacking. And so I went backpacking for four months by myself um, and that was easily still to this day one of them the greatest experiences i'd ever had um throwing myself you know into the deep unknown not in my uh, my my community um which i'm you know just perpetually surrounded by my friends so that experience allowed me to really understand more of myself and uh when i came back um from my travels i'd seen that i had a lot of friends and a lot of those high achievers who were that proverbial idea of success and, and um, were, were the ones to be watching outside the schooling system who had fallen into real ruts um, in defining, you know, in, sorry, not defining themselves, but in their, their path and their journey post-school. You know, they, they, they turned out they hated what they were studying. Um, they were, you know, working late nights in bars. Um, they didn't want to drop out. They didn't want to talk to their parents about it. Um, so it really highlighted that all that conditioning and that preparation that we had gone through had kind of prepared us for something which was just very different to what it was. I had a lot of friends who were kind of scoffed at for the fact that they were going off to doing vocational education. Um, I was doing vocational education, friends were doing apprenticeships, and it was very much so like it was a second-class or second-rate option, and... The funniest thing about it is that through me doing my vocation, it, what I learned applying those skills were the only reason why I was able to start a business because I was learning things like creative thinking, problem solving, being resourceful, management of personnel and resources, all these skills which you can only develop by being on a job and you take those and as you kind of propel yourself into you know, what you're passionate about, Really, def- they really define you. And so I saw those friends of mine who were doing that, that were just loving their life sick. So that was where the real precedence of where Year 13 came from, that you know, 
plans change, ambitions change, uh, motivations change. And, and by having those experiences, it allows you to actually understand that that change is natural. And so um, that was, that was the, the founding thought around, around year 13. And I was lucky enough to have um, you know, my, my business partner um, and, and my brother who were going through their different um, experiences as well. And so I was seeing them have their, and they had their own troubles as well. And um, that was the precedence of year 13. So, you know, kind of fast forward now eight years, um, nine, eight-ish, nine-ish years. Um, we're now, you know, really, really lucky and really, really blown away by the response we've had. We, we see over one and a half million young people each year coming through and in, in using our, engaging with our content, using our services, feeding us with suggestions about what we could could look at, what we could do and fixing a lot of social problems that face young people. And um, it's something which, yeah, we're incredibly passionate about. And it's not just about our passions, it's about, you know, us as a collective yeah. Being able to inspire you know, other people, and I think there's a great quote by Jim Carrey, which is you know, the the impact we have on um, on others is the greatest currency there is. And so, if we can help impact other young people to be able to understand these passion, their passions and, and purposes and motivations, and they can then impact their friends, who are going to impact their friends and their siblings. And quite quickly, we see we see the ripple effect of, w- of what that does, and that's pretty much where where we're at today. Yep, excellent. Um, you know, there was so much there. Even you, even you know that you just talked about even this experience of yours of going through vet, maybe feeling you know, or but this perception um, in amongst others that this is a second rate option was your word, second rate option to building a career, but. The, um, the application and the entrepreneurship and the, um, you know, the ability for you to um, collate all of these critical skills to take you where you are now, profound, really. So it doesn't mean you necessarily need a university degree to get where you want to go. I think it's really an interesting kind of conundrum that we're facing right now because, for you know, as you know, 20 years or more, we've, you know, People who are going, kids who are going through high school, students who are going through high school, are really encouraged to go on to university. But yeah. what's the outcome? And it's, you know, I, I guess we're, we're always influenced by, you know, the, the generations before. And so, like, I know that for my parents, they, they came through a generation where university was free. Um, you know, you look one generation further back from that, and it was that university was what, what really was it would divided social social classes and so yeah. that has trickled down into um still into t- to today and i think what what's happened and by no means do i do i have a, a any animosity towards university university is a, is is a pillar of success that builds you know economies and builds countries and builds nations education in itself is without a doubt one of the most important facets of any character character development for anyone but i think what's happened is that we've got lost in the illusionary effect that that is going to be your path to success and you need to be there for that metric of this is oh i'm in here now so i'm instantly going to get here and and that's going to be it and i think it's really interesting that we do a lot of hiring of young people and i can see a vast difference in a person who has perhaps gone into vocational education or gained some working experience and 
done a few different courses and had a had a you know tried their hand at this and this and now they're really passionate about um, whatever it might be they're applying for graphic uh, graphic designer role. There's someone who may have just gone straight into you know higher ed, never really had any work experience, but because they've got the degree, they they think that it's of more value to the person who's gone off and had the experience and built this and done these networks and tried these things. And I think what a lot of young people need to understand is that people buy people and it's about the impact that you can actually have and the passion that you have and you know there's there's no denying it doesn't matter who you talk to that you talk to someone who's got a passion about something it's contagious and we often go back to ourselves and say oh I wish I was that passionate about something and it's funny because we all intrinsically are and I'm not trying to be a philosopher and trying trying to I'm not I'm not repeating anything that isn't already known uh, it's just it's fundamentally what, what people need to be able to understand that you do something that you're passionate about and that you're, you're compelled by and that you are intrinsically motivated and interested in you're going to want to read about that or watch more of that and, and learn about that or who the individual was and when you read what you love you'll end up loving what you read and you just want to keep getting better and better at those things. And so, you know, if you put someone who is wanting to be, um, you know, an economist in who's studying to be an, and who is just naturally gifted at numbers, who just understands that they just come to them naturally if there's someone who may be a bit, you know, sub-level to them, that person's work is always going to be intrinsically better than yours because they're passionate about it. They're naturally, they want to do that. They, they love that. And what it does is that for people that who go into different industries or disciplines, which isn't attractive to them or doesn't compel them, it leads them to then continue down this, this cycle of, Oh, I'm I'm not, I'm I'm not good enough. I've got to work harder. I've got to try this. I've got to try this. And you know, you're really pushing, pushing shit uphill to be, to be honest. It's, you're never going to get ahead. Whereas if it's something that you love doing, then you, you will get better and better. You, you will align to like-minded people. When you're with like-minded people, you respect each other. We say, I take some of your skills. You say some of mine. We start to create ideas together. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that anyone, um, you know, not just young people. I, I advocate this to a lot of people that that is where you find true happiness in, in, in your career and what you do. Yeah, look, I've got to say I 100% agree. It's for everyone. I mean, it's a, you know, for young people, it's important for you to connect with them and, and talk to them about these things and give them and map out different options so that people can find their passion and purpose, right? But um, for anyone of any age, if they are passionate and have purpose and love what they do, it's the old saying, you, you never work a day in your life. If you're doing really, it doesn't feel hard if you're doing what you love. So helping people to find that must be very rewarding. I would like to, it's probably a good opportunity to start asking you these questions, Saxon. <laughs> so what I'd like to do is, you know, and we'll work through these. So the first thing I want to ask you today is um, what are the current challenges that you believe young people in their gap year or even further on um, experience in the workplace. In your experience, what have you picked up that are some of the challenges they experience? Um, it's a really good question. 
I think that we're at a real tipping point in young people actually understanding that their values and their principles and, and their passions and interests are really what defines their characteristics. And, and what I mean by that is that if you tell someone who hates being near water that they're going to have to be near water and their job is now being a lifeguard and they've got to do this, they've got to do this, you're going to see their enthusiasm be, be again, it's going to be you know, subpar. It's, it's not going to be someone who loves being near water, who wants to be near the water, who loves the idea of, of helping people and, 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 and you know, being that protector. So I think that's a big thing. And you know, this, is, this is something which we see across a lot of different industries and a lot of, a lot of companies, a lot of lead, you know, world-leading companies talk about whether or not someone is coachable. And what that means is that does this job, does this business, what you know, this business does, and I'm not talking about year 13, but you know, yeah. a, a company, does this align to the individual and will this person find their place here? And where that comes from is having a fundamental passion and drive towards whatever that company's vision is and values are. And, you know, by understanding that, you are then, or a young person is then far more equipped to be able to be a major contributor to a business or to an employer. Now, a big thing is that, you know, where you start is not where you're going to finish. It's, it is, this isn't a, a 400-meter race once around a track. It's not, it's, you're going to go through a number of different industries, a number of different changes. But the biggest thing to understand is that from that first job, and, you know, my first job um, when I was 14 was working at, um, at Pizza Haven. I was just answering calls and then, you know, jotting down the name, doing the data entry, and then printing the receipt off and putting it under the, under the, um, under the ticker for the, the pizza makers to make. But what I was doing there was customer experience. I was, I was doing data entry. Um, you know, I, I was communicating with my team. And these seem like, you know, autonomous, nothing jobs. But if I look back at it, that's why I'm really comfortable at speaking with people. It's the reason why I understand the importance of having clean spreadsheets and data sheets. Um, so I think for any young person, it's been like, right, now, I didn't want to be a peak. I didn't want to be in that for the rest of my life. It was, it was a job. But what, do you, what you take from that job is completely up to you. Whether it's simply a paycheck, you can look at it as a paycheck. But it may be the fact that you're working with you know, elderly people. It could be the fact that you are working late nights. It could be the fact that you become a manager, which are these responsibilities. And I think that the more the awareness that you can have and being able to look at, okay, what does this job actually mean, then the better you are to equip yourself and move into the future. Like I would say that I'd have, I'm, 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 I'm a great customer service when I haven't gone off and done a PhD in customer service. It's just the fact that I worked in retail and hospitality through, for, for a number of years. So that's something which I, I, I really advocate to a lot of, a lot of young people. It's, it's something I advocate to a lot of employees as well to be able to explain to someone that, you know, if you're front of house and working at the local chicken shop, you're the first interaction people are going to have with the work that we've done behind the scenes in preparing the salads and do it with 
our food and doing all this. So that first interaction is really important for us because we want to have a memorable experience for our customers. Yeah. And when you explain that to someone and someone understands the purpose of that job, then it completely changes the perception and the understanding. And so that's something that I, you know, I, I wholeheartedly advocate and, and think that the more that people can understand that, the more empowering employment becomes, the more opportunities you create for yourself because, wow, I actually am really good at customer service or I'm really good at data entry. I'm really a creative thinker. That's where the power of employment and understanding really comes from. Mm. I think I've kind of gone around there if I've answered your question. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, let's just recap because I, because what I've taken out of that is, A, we need, uh, you need, young people need to think about their own values, principles, passions and interests um, and find an aligned organisation. I think there's a massive question there in how do they do that. Mm. Um, however... Uh, you know, the other thing that I took out of your, your answer was don't discount some of the experience that they've had before they hit the end of school. You know, if they've had, and, and that could be even whether it's in a casual job that they're doing part-time, you know, you know, on the weekends or in the evenings, or even if it's, um, you know, uh, doing some, you know, team sports and, and that sort of thing where they've, you know, looking at the higher level skills that they've generated through those experiences because they can be really valuable in a workplace. Um, That'd be fair to say. Exactly. No, you've, you've nailed that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a question there about, okay, how do we find, because you said alignment of the individual in their place in an organisation. So it's actually, the, and I think that possibly one of the challenges from what you were saying is how to find those organisations that will align with your passion and your purpose. Yeah. So, is, that uh, is that where you can help them? Um, it, it's, it, it, it's certainly, it's, yeah, you're not going to find, if you, if, if you pigeonhole yourself to one simple thing that I want to be, you know, the marble keeper for the marble shop, you're gonna, yeah. you've got a, long, a, a, a lot of looking ahead of you to try and find that. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm really... Um, what, we're, what I'm really trying to say there is that by understanding what your so if, if you're thinking like if you if you like to help people, then where does that take you? What does that mean? And it's understanding that. So that could that could be customer service. That could be hospitality and, and being being a chef or being a waiter or being a front of house. Yeah. Like helping people, it means you could go off and perhaps work as, as a, a working in social social services. You could go off being a nurse, being a teacher. No, it's not as though you have to pigeonhole yourself to being, oh, I am, I want to do this. Yeah. But if it's if it is something that you know you are passionate about and you're creative about, then you will be able to find things. Like I've I've worked with you know young artists who wanted to be tattoo artists, and you know they've they've come from you know a, a, a private school and doing you know a number of different, not your traditional what we perceive, but. They were really passionate about it. And it was about then so identifying that and then taking the necessary steps. Um, so that's that's what I, I, I guess I, I really advocate. No, so it's a kind of broader philosophy of if you know, I want to help people or I love numbers, then be a little bit creative and broad about what fits in that pipeline, I guess. It, it, exactly. And, and, and just being, being really transparent with it. 
Like if yeah. you're a numbers person and you're looking for your first job and you know that Woolworths are, are, are taking applications at the moment, then make that known. Like I love working with numbers. Numbers are my favorite, something that I love doing. So, you know, if your job is, if that they will identify, okay, cool, well, we could probably get you to do the freight, like as freight's coming and making sure the pallet's doing ABC. Whatever yeah. your job is, I'm using, I'm using examples. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good because it's help. It will help our listeners to understand, kind of put some detail for themselves around the concepts. So it's excellent. Thank you. So let's move on to the best things that you think that Generation Zs, um, who are currently, you know, in high school and up to say twenty two, twenty three, can bring are bringing into our um, workplaces. What are some of the best things? Say that again. That kind of cut out a little bit. Well, what are some of the best things that our Generation Zs are bringing into our workplaces? Um, uh, it, it, where do I start? And this one's for employers, right? If employers are listening, we want them to hear all of the fabulousness that Generation Z can bring into their workplaces. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, one of the big things that I've noticed with Gen Zs is that they have a very, they have a, a, an incredible drive to. to um, a, a incredible social drive. So they really care about the impact the company or the business is, is, is having, not just in terms of, you know, revenues. It, it's not about that, but it's about, well, what, are, what, are, what is our greenhouse, I mean, uh, yeah, um, our um, carbon footprint? What is our recycling policy? How do we help the, the, you know, the, the downtrodden and, and the, you know, the homeless? It's, it's about... There's there's a real social drive about Gen Zs, and it's like a it's like a social consciousness, isn't it? Completely, yeah, that whole conscience around what are we doing to give back? Exactly, and yeah. this goes back to a number of the, the 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 points going back to helping people identify what they're intrinsically motivated by. Everyone wants to be able to help people. We all want to be able to be able to help each other, and so. That is something which I think this generation have really grabbed with their two hands and, and are holding on. You look at their passion towards um, the environment and, and climate change. You look at it towards re- recycling. You look at it towards, you know, equality. It's really, it, it, it's, it's what drives them. And so for, for businesses who are wanting to be future-proofing themselves, it's in ours and their best interest to be able to adhere to this and be able to understand because you want passion-driven staff. You want staff that believe in what the company does, not just tick the box and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we do the recycling. There are so many innovative companies out there that will, you know, collect all their recycling, recycling do, their own green, do their own veggie gardens with all their cardboard boxes. You know, it's those type of initiatives which resonate more with young people than just this is the company and this is what we do. I feel like this is, um, I feel like the, these sorts of um, belief systems that our current Gen Zs um, are, have available to bring into our workplaces are a real opportunity for some of our employers to, if they're not, even if they're not, even if they don't have those sorts of philosophies yet, that this is a real opportunity to bring some people in who are wired this way and really passionate to actually turn some, to, you know, to actually bring the, and introduce this into their workplaces and to start to give back to the communities that they're in so they could actually be looking at this as a real opportunity that maybe I'm not a 
you know, I'm not a, um, I'm not great at this, but hey, this young person here could really bring value and great for brand, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah we, we look at a lot of a lot of businesses are always looking at how they increase their their, their community values and their, and their community engagement, and this is something that we have done with Year Thirteen, you know, since we became a, a business, was that. We recycled onto, I don't pretend to be young. Um, I don't pretend to be 15, 16, 17. Like you guys, the, way, the, the way you guys see the world is completely different to the way I see it. But I remember how I saw it at that age. So it's, for me, it's always interesting to be able to then go back and when I speak and when we work with you know, young people and when we do the research that we do, to be able to understand how much their world has changed from here when I was there to here now. And what that means is building the longevity of our company to here. So it's like, it's, it's, it's got longevity. And I think I encourage a lot of businesses to take that same approach. Um, now there's, there's a great saying that we use that the future isn't ours, it's yours. And it meaning that, you know, I'm going to pro- pro- progressively get older. And as, as, as we work with further and further young people and grow our business, we want them to be in control of them. We want them to be empowered. So I think that's that's another big thing that we're that not just advocating but seeing in a lot of businesses is that empowerment to um, to to their staff and, and making them feel heard and making them feel as though they're a part of the bigger picture. Uh, got to agree with you there. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's not about um, it's it's you know it's about how much we can show that we care about people. Um, and value their contribution so um, uh, from an employment perspective. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's move on to our third question. Uh, employer expectations. What, is, what do you believe um, employers our employer expectations? And I guess this is information. I'm asking this. I ask this question because I want to give some information um, to, to young people. Um, to, what, what should they be prepared for? when they walk into a workplace um, and also to other employers who are listening um, that, you know, you know, to actually be able to articulate their expectations to um, new employees. So what do you think are our, uh, our current employer expectations? Um, em- employer expectations, again, this goes back to, to the understanding of, of the role and the job and what it is, this, this goes into, for, so for employees, it's, it's leadership. And in every business where everyone's looking for, for great leaders. And to, you know, when you're a good leader, you're inspiring of your team, your, your team members, each of your team members know that their, their, their role is integral into the, 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 the cog of the, of the whole um, idea of the business. And so um, for, for employers, I, I'm, I stand by it, I think, by explaining the importance of the role and what it actually means. You're not just the front of house at the chicken shop. You're actually the face of the business. You're the first interaction that people that, that people off the street have with our chicken shop. And what that means is that I need you to be a dynamic, you know, welcoming, happy person. Because what that does is that inf- impacts them. You know, if they've got a young kid, just you know, say hello to them, get them involved, ask them if they'd like a cheer, whatever it is. I'm yeah. Going off some of my own old experiences, um, but 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, I was really getting myself caught up there and being back and working in the chicken shop. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think for employers, it's, it's giving that understanding of the importance of it. And if they make a mistake, it's not just reprimanding someone for, oh, you know, this is your stuff up now, fix it. It's like, what impact does that actually have? Why, why, would I, why have I identified this as a mistake? Because this is our highest paying client or this is so-and-so, whatever it might be. It's, it's about them being able to actually understand. So that's something which, I've, um, which from the employer aspect, um, I, I think that needs to be highlighted a lot more. And this is a lot of the problems with industry at the moment is that industry can be really great at talking about how young people and, and the, the, the workforce aren't being effectively prepared for this modern day work. So it's, um, I think that it, it's where it lays to be able to explain that to, to young people in the industry to have better leadership, to be able to do better jobs of doing so. Mm, okay. So is there anything that employers ever talk to you about or, or, or your year 13 um, young people that communicate with you uh, that talk to you about, my, you know, their experience at the workplace? Um, that they, do they ever, is that something that you provide, any kind of mentoring? Um, I, I've only got anecdotal um, kind Research. of yeah, of when that's when people have reached out to us. Um, you know, we're, we're not a legal service, so that's yeah. why we have protections there like Fair Work um, yeah. you know, and the Ombudsman. So, but, you know, I read countless industry reports and, and labour market reports about, um, you know, that, that we haven't got a strong pipeline of talent or this hasn't been this correct way or whatever it is. And I think, again, that this is a generational thing and that, that from, from the years previous, they haven't had that fundamental understanding of what, you know, of how to coach a, you know, a, a Gen Z and, and, a, and a modern day young person. So, yeah, what, yeah, okay. So, what actually, that's a really good question. And sorry, it's a tangent and it might put you on the spot. Okay. Um, but what, is, what are Gen Z's looking for in terms of workplace coaching or mentoring? Well, it's, it's really interesting. I, I can't recall the actual report that I'd listened, that I'd, um, that I read it from, but it was. You know, this generation have been brought up by a lot of merit. So it goes back to there's an age-old debate about how, you know, in, in primary school athletics, it doesn't matter if you, you become first or last, everyone gets a, a ribbon and the participation. Yeah. It's undeniable that, that you know, Gen Zs have been conditioned, have, have, have had that experience and that's something we need to take responsibility for. Yeah. And so... And what that means, and I see this a lot with a lot of our young staff, is that they want that constant loop of feedback. They want that constant, not that it's validation, but to be able to say, okay, Susan, you've done a wonderful job here, but tell me, have you done the best job possible? Yeah. You, if, if, if you could do this again, what could you improve? Yeah. And, and it's them being able to trip over some of their own truths and mm. to be able to take that responsibility um, and that's something that we all want. We all want more responsibility because the more responsibility we take on, the more dynamic we become. Mm. But rather than just reprimand and, and berate, which, again, I understand happened in previous working generations in working with elders, 
with, so with the old, you know, with older generation, that may have been the best practice or the practice that it was. You know, you, you can't, it's not going to work in, the, in this modern day. And, you know, yes, I understand it may be frustrating and I understand that, you know, you can say, like, oh, they've been, you know, you've got to have thicker skins and they've been wrapped in wool, but that's, it's, it's not the case. It's the, the way that they've learned has been through that, that approach. And so, yeah. so, it's a, so, it's a, so they've learned and been conditioned in a coaching approach right so when and and a collaborative coaching approach with that you know so yeah what you were saying was they've done the job now let's reflect on the quality let's reflect reflect on the outcome what how you know what would you do different and how could you improve it so that cycle of continuous improvement as well but all done in um what i want to term as an emotionally intelligent manner yeah exactly exactly not making people feel lousy making them feel like this is an opportunity to just step up that bit more. Correct. And I think if when, when taking that approach, we're actually all meeting halfway rather than it being, oh, industry aren't giving opportunities and they're not, they're, they're not doing enough and we're not, we're not encouraging you know, growth throughout the economy. Then you know, young people saying they haven't got these opportunities and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're so hard to work with. And, you know, it's, uh, what's the saying at the moment? Like, Okay, boomer, which is just the Gen Z <laughs> throwback. At like, yeah, oh, that's one of my workshops. Okay, boomer, <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's so current, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, oh, gee, it gets the boomers upset though. It, oh no, no. I, whenever my parents tick me off, I, I can hit them with a yeah, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that it's that's how we meet halfway, and that's how it's, it's going. Okay, cool. You've been conditioned like this. I was conditioned like this. This is how we meet in the middle, explaining really what it is that you're building and what you're doing and what the responsibility is. And then allowing someone to be able to harness a growth mindset to be able to then get better. Identifying yeah. something and saying that, you know, this is why you're front of house at the chicken shop because I think you're, you know, you're an incredibly infectious personality and you're this, you're this, you're this. This is what the interaction is. So the better that you do with that, the better that we do here, the better that we do here, the more shifts you get or the better the business, whatever it is, explain to them the principles. Yeah, and look, um, can, can I jump in and say, you know, um, that, that what you're, in my head I'm going, okay, this is about workplace communication, right? This is about workplace communication and collaboration. We have to have these discussions. We have to have, we have to, and, and I think some of the challenge is that with some of our older people in the workplace, whether they're employers or colleagues that we end up working with um, they have been conditioned in a different style and this is some of the dilemma or you know that we have when young people are coming into our into the workplace is that they want this collaborative approach and we've got other people there who um, who have um, been less consulted with less collaborated with and received less feedback a lot less feedback you know I've worked with so many um, boomers and Gen Xers that think if I don't have feedback, it's a good thing because I'm not in trouble, mm. right? Because they've never, because the only feedback they've ever had is, you know, when it's been negative. Completely. And, and, and we've got a generation now who actually wants a more coaching approach, a more collaborative, uh, you know, I want to know what's wrong so I can fix it kind of um, perspective and I can do better. So it, it goes to the old saying, you know, you need to work smarter, not harder. And 
by understanding and understanding those frustrations that, oh, well, I was, you know, I, I was brought up by doing this and this and this and giving no feedback versus, you know, a generation which needs consistent feedback, then it's in your best interest to be able to make your job easier by doing that and, and, and helping them through it and, and validating them through that transaction rather than just being like, oh, he's, he's useless. Like, yeah, I, it's in one ear and out the other. It's like, well, that's not good because all you're going to do is you're just perpetuating the fact that we need, we're going to we're gonna have high turnover rate. We're going to be losing that person. We're going to put it out again and try and find a new person to come in to then train them up and go through this. And so, it, it, and again, we're just perpetuating a lot of these issues. Oh, it's, they're, not, they're not trained. To, you know, I used to get up at 5 a.m. and to, to be here and work for this and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, by no means, I'm at, and this isn't an entitlement in any sense. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But the world of work has changed fundamentally in the past 30 years, 40 years, 10 years to what it was. Five years. Five years. I 100% agree. It's, and, it, and it's, so it's like, okay, cool. It's either adapt or die. And if you want to hold on to your employment and you want to be able to be a leader, it's about being smarter about it. So if I can sit and work with a group of young people who may be doing an entry-level role with this and they understand the vision and they understand the value of what their job is and why it matters and they buy into that and they feel comfortable to be able to come to me for or come to you as the employer, at, for that critical feedback, then everyone's a winner. And you, and you start harnessing such a greater work experience for not just yourself but for others. You become more of a mentor in their eyes and more of a leader rather than being, you know, the man with the, with, with the stick who, who they're just scared to be reprimanded by. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I understand this is, it, 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 this is a, a, a big mentality shift. However, I just think that it, it's the only way that moving into the future that you can actually be a, a functioning business and be having young people understand that, but also the employers understand that, then, you know, we're actually moving together rather than it being the consistent debate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think we've even started to touch on, without actually asking you, some of the critical skills that you believe young people need as they go into this modern contemporary workplace? What are some of the critical skills you believe they need? Um, uh, The critical skills, the soft skills, the hard skills, the transferable skills, the enterprise skills. Yeah, we we hear it enough and we hear it a lot that, you know, this idea of of skills. Mm -hmm. The the skills that are required moving into the future go down to a lot of character virtues. So it's about... Being, you know, artic- being, being um, articulate with your time, being you know, um, well-mannered with your time, about being a person who's wanting experience and wanting growth and wanting to be able to learn. Um, you know, you overlay that with someone who, who can identify what their passions are and be self-aware of themselves that, you know, I would never in a, in a blue moon tell you that I, I, I'm good at <clears throat> Excel and that I, I'm the numbers guy. Because I'm not. I've, I've learned different aspects that in, in, in what I've required in, in my job. But it's numbers and me. It's just something which I, 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 I will struggle with. However, I'm not, I don't shy away from that. And I don't see that as a weakness. It's strength that I'm able to identify that and say that, cool, numbers aren't my thing. So somebody in my team, my business partner, 
he does it, he's far more better at being able to do that. But I can focus on what I'm good at. So it's having that awareness of, of yep, being um, being able to, you know, self-audit yourself. Yep, love it. Self-audit. Self-audit. Love it. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Um, okay, so that's our critical skills. We've talked about, you know, those, you talked about character virtues, having time management, being um, knowing where you want to go, a desire to learn, being passionate and self-aware. God, when you talk about those kinds of skills and because we can teach technical, right? We can, people can learn technical skills. Absolutely. Um, they can learn that. But these sorts of, um, and we can learn soft skills too. They've just never really been prioritised and they need to be, right? So, uh, you know, part of um, what we want young people to consider is how can I, you know, it's okay to own up, it's okay to be self-aware and say exactly what you said, I'm good at this but I'm not fabulous at that um, and have that and, and probably something, I don't know about you, but add that resilience to, you know, that ability to bounce back from a bad day or a bad situation. What's your experience with that? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And this kind of touches on a bit of philosophy and a bit of stoicism in terms of being able to look back and, be, and understand why something, what caused you to have a bad day? Was it the fact that you were late? Was it the fact that that manager who always picks on you, picks on you? Is it the fact that you don't like you? Like, what is causing you, you, your bad day? And this goes off into you know, a lot of emotional intelligence in being able to say, okay, cool. I'm actually getting really frustrated at the fact that I'm still doing, uh, you know, all our um, accounting and I'm doing a lot of this when I've said that I hate doing, I hate working with numbers. They just don't work with me. Mm. So, again, it's that self, it's that, you know, understanding yourself um, to be able to go back and say, that's what's actually causing me to have a really bad day. And that's what's causing me to hate going to work or hate hating what I'm studying. Because mm. um, what happens is that if we, don't have the ability to be able to do that, what happens is that you get yourself caught in this repetitive negative cycle of, you know, I'm here doing the work and it's work I don't like doing. You build up these stresses and these frustrations within yourself because you start to feel inadequate. You then take that to other areas of your life, be that your relationships, be that substances, be that, you know, you, you lose all motivation, you just want to sleep or you just want to, like, just zone out, you, like, you don't want to be learning. And when you find yourself going down that path, you need to be able to go, this, like, I want to feel good. And what makes me feel good is by doing A, B, C, D. And I think that emotional intelligence is, is really, really important um, to be able to, it's something I really, really advocate in that, you know, you want to be proactive, not reactive. And, yeah, yeah this is in, in a lot of our research and reports, we found that you know, anxiety and stress are the two number one emotions which young people feel. Now, stress is, is a debilitating emotion which we experience because what happens when we're stressed is that we're unable to be able to make clear and concise decisions. If you think about any stressful experience or, or, or um, scenario that you've been in, it, it, it becomes flustered. You don't actually know. If someone starts yelling, you're like, oh, like, I don't know what's going on. You're losing control in, in, in what that is. So there's a great, a great saying, which is there's no such thing as a, there's no such, such thing as a stressful situation, only a stressful response. 
Mm -hmm. So it's about being able to feel when you feel that stress come on, being like, okay, what's causing me to feel this stress? Then it leads into kind of, yeah, anxiety. And what anxiety is, is that anxiety is a future state emotion. So we're trying to build a picture of a scenario or of ourselves. So for a young person, they might be finishing school, they're feeling stressed. What's causing them to feel that stress is that they're meant to know exactly what they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives and they've got to get this score and this, this, this. Otherwise, they're going to, they see themselves as a failure. No one else does. Mm. And in that, we're trying to build these pictures of ourselves. And when we're not able to do that, we then build that, that negative cycle. I mean, and, and it continues that negative cycle is that, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't want to do this. I'm just going to do this. Just buy myself the time to, to work it all out later. But again, it goes back to that emotional intelligence is that if you can understand what is causing those stresses and what's causing and, and be able to actually pragmatically work through it, it'll lower the stresses, which means you're thinking clearly, you're a more dynamic person, you're actually understanding what is, what is not definitely not the right decision so that you're actually in control. And I think that's a, bit, that's a really big thing that once people trip over that truth, it, it's empowering and it allows you to, to, to really take a better control of, of, of your life and have a greater understanding. Sorry for ranting on there. No, 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 look, seriously, we've got one question to go, but I've got so many new hashtags, by the way. Trip over the truth. Uh, people buy people. Passion is contagious. I've written them all down. I'm going to hashtag them all. Okay, so <laughs> thank you. So finally, what's your best advice for, these, for our young people? as they prepare for the workplace? Um, this, this will be a little bit of a, of a rant. Um, but, you know, I, I remember being so anxious and concerned about who I was going to be and what I was going to be that, it, you know, it was, it was paralysing to be able to try and build those pictures and... We're always, and it's heightened a lot by, you know, social media now that we're always comparing ourselves to someone else and to one of our friends who we think is doing a lot better than I am and, and whatnot. And so I think the biggest thing that has, has changed, you know, I was, I was a student that, never, that getting 51 was a cause for celebration. I never received any academic merit. Um, I was on, you know, academic probations and, and threatened with being expelled for, you know, my, my academic results. And, you know, again, this perpetuates this idea of the, these inadequacies that I wasn't, you're never going to be good enough, you're not smart enough, I'm never going to achieve this, I'm never going to be able to do this. But I remember reading that passion fuels purpose and purpose fuels passion. And what, the way to think of it is that purpose is the engine and passion is the fuel and together they're going to get you to where you want to go. I know it seems really elementary and it seems really um, philosophical, but it really boils down to it. If you go back to indigenous cultures, they were either preparing for two things. They were either preparing for the war, for a war or they were preparing for the hunt. So in, in that, Everyone had a role to play. Everyone had a purpose. They knew what the purpose was. When they had the passion of being able to do that, that was where, as a society, they, they would grow. 
And this is, there's a great saying that humans need hives. I mean, sorry, humans need tribes the same way, same ways that bees need hives. And I think it boils down to that. But if you can have, you understand your purpose and your passions and use that as the foundations to then go off into whatever your next experience is, then you are going to be 10 steps ahead of anyone else around you. And you know, I, it, it's, I've seen this countless of times. I've worked with you know, thousands of people you know, through year 13 and also one-on-one with, with friends. And, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing to see the response that you can have and the clarity that you have as soon as you're able to identify what you're intrinsically motivated by, something in the world that you know, can be corrected or improved, which is a, the identification of something you're passionate about, and then sending someone off on that, on, on that journey and, and seeing that person come back two, three, four years later. Their journey may, was certainly, um, yeah, it, it goes in ebbs and flows, but you see how much they develop. And so that would be my, probably my, my last bit of advice to anyone that you know, I'm, I'm happy to even be challenged on it. You know, if, you, if you say that you know, that was the worst piece of advice I've, I've ever been given, I'd love to understand why. Um, <laughs> because I, I, I can almost guarantee that, that, it, that it won't be. So, yeah. yeah. So, my, 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 and it, it, it's part of the, it's a question that's off the back of your um, advice, which is about finding, helping young people find their, or if they can find their purpose and passion um, and they can help them, you know, to help them um, and what is going to intrinsically motivate them. So, does year 13 help? young people to do that that's that's our our whole ethos yeah that's that's exactly what we do everything that we do is about um developing a a passion um and and purpose-driven education and employment um system we we know the impacts of meaningful work and what it has on individuals and again i'm happy for anyone to challenge me on on that as a thought because it, it legitimately pragmatically makes sense that the more we enjoy what we're doing, um, as, as you said, Susan, that if you love what you do, um, you know, you, um, sorry, what is it? The, if you love what you do, you'll never work a minute in, in, in your life. Yeah, um, it feels like it's not work because it feels so good to do it. Exactly, and you're passionate about it. You love doing it. It's, it's like this right now. I'm, I'm talking about things I'm passionate about and an industry that I'm passionate about, which I didn't know was an industry when I was 15, 16, 17. It wasn't, it's, and it, and I, I still don't, I'm like, I still don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. But right now I'm, I'm just working on something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, I, I so, so that's brilliant because I think that if there's anybody out there listening who is thinking about, well, hell, how do I find my passion and my purpose? You know, we want to encourage them to reach out to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if mum or, or dad is listening, we want them to be able to go to their year 11 or 12 or young person and it's not just that cohort is it you deal with people who are a little bit older too don't you yeah so we, we've got um it's traditionally about 15 14 15 to about 24 that we see coming through year 13 yeah. but we've also got a um and we see a lot of parents we see a lot of teachers we see a lot of um, um industry which is how year 13 kind of connects as an ecosystem but we yeah. also a, we have, we have a, 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 a um, sister or brother company um, or brand called Youth Sense, 
and Youth Sense is um, a series of, 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 of articles that we work on, um, which is about informing parents of this current landscape and practical methods to be able to engage um, with, with their, their children um, and not just their children, but also, you know, their, their, their children's friends because that influence that we have is, is, is so profound. And I think that the more that you can harness that, you know, the better you can be that if your son's best friend wants to talk to you about being a diesel mechanic, inspire him about it or talk to him about what that actually means. So um, we have Youth Sense there for, for parents as, as another portal. Yeah. So um, to, to, to kind of wrap it up, um, we've gone through so many things, by the way. It's taken us kind of all over the place. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, passion, purpose. We've talked about values and principles. We've talked about alignment of, you know, what your philosophy, your individual philosophy is and try and match that and align it with an employer um, and talked about, you know, really getting a good understanding of the role that you're stepping into and making sure that your employer not being not 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 kind of being shy to art to to query them about what's the purpose of my role. I think that's really important, um, and employers will look for that. Uh, and then we talked about this whole idea of the future skills of self, of being really self aware of what I love, what I'm not fabulous at, um, and and being and sitting okay, and that sitting okay with you. Mm. That sitting okay. So with all of that in mind. Um, I want you to tell us how to get in contact with you or with Year 13. Yeah. So, what's, what's the best way for our parents or our students or our young people or our teachers, our educators, how do they, or even employers, how do they get in contact with you? You come through to year13.com.au uh, and we've got everything um, there for you. So, Yes, yeah, you explore the site. If you go down to, to the footer, we've got all different methods of being able to contact us. Um, you can literally explore every single opportunity, discover your passions. We've got our own personality profiles, careers assessment tools. We've, we've got it all. It's been eight years of work. So, yeah, year13.com.au um, and we'll be able to certainly uh, help you on your way. Brilliant, because we want people to be go, go into action stations after listening to this. We want, you know, we want people to go, oh, I didn't know that resource was out there. I didn't know you guys existed. Um, and it's a real opportunity. And it's not just for, like, it's not just for kids who are, students who are in year 12 right now going into year 13. It's for a whole cohort, a whole group of young people who are considering their, 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 their future. So thank you very much. It's been very insightful. <laughs> it's been very insightful. Um, I, you know, I ask these same five questions to all of my guests, and I haven't had a, a, I haven't had a an answer that's the same yet. Oh, so, so, so it's brilliant, and and you know, and I, I as you know, I don't actually preposition anything. I just lay out the questions. So I think it's fascinating to get the perspective from different people that I interview, whether they be thought leaders um, and entrepreneurs like yourself, whether they be students or young people, their parents, their educators, um, or even employers. 
everybody's got different perspectives and you know that even that is a skill in emotional intelligence to be able to take on the perspectives of others and consult with other people about what they think to help inform your own decisions so i love it i'd like to extend my grateful thanks to you saxon for being my guest today on our dare to care podcast and providing us with your insights and ideas and getting us excited about what we can look forward to in terms of uh generation z's coming into our workplaces and and really um, bringing in their social awareness and their social conscience. I love that. Um, and what we can, how we can build a better place, how we can build a better world. I love it. Um, so, you know, um, whether you're a young person who's already entered the workplace or preparing to as an, or an employer or even a parent of a young person, we can be excited and look forward to what um, the future holds. And Saxon has shared with you how to get in contact with um, Year 13. Just pop onto their website, www.year13.com.au. Um, and don't forget, when you log on, they've got uh, where this um, episode is dropping right on around the time of your Career Expo, Saxon, which is yeah. what dates? Uh, the career, uh, Digital Careers Expo is from the 18th to the 22nd of May. Yes, and this podcast is dropping on the 18th. So uh, we want, we're, we're, hopefully we'll have listeners on the 18th and they will pop onto your expo straight away. Um, so thank you so, thank you so much, Saxon, for your time today. No problem. And finally, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please give our Dare to Care podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you would take the time to leave a comment on the review, that would be truly appreciated. We, uh, you can also listen to us on Spotify. Um, if you've got questions or comments about the episode, please contact us via our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook at Dare to Care AUS. Dare with a number two, Care AUS. And either leave a comment or a private message us. We love and truly appreciate your feedback. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm Susan Judd. And until our next episode, how are you going to Dare to Care? Thank you for listening to the Dare to Care podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts find out more about HR Culture and Dare to Care by going to hrculture.com.au. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 